Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. So good morning, everyone. Good morning to our online church. I'm Pastor Tim, and I am so honored to be your freedom and care pastor, and I'm very humbled and honored to be able to stand in this platform today. So how many of you, this is going to go way back for some of you, some of you, you're just going to have to go home and Google this, have heard of the song, The House of the Rising Sun? All right. Hey, yeah, a lot more in this service. Awesome. Awesome. Well, today, my summer psalm is House of the Risen Son, Jesus Christ. So I want to start with a question for you today. How many of you, especially if you transplanted to Florida, and let's be honest, were kind of excited to ride out your first hurricane to see what it was like? I'm going to raise my hand because I wanted to know what it was like. You know, um, people do it all the time. They just want to see what it's like to ride, ride out a hurricane. But you know, it can be very scary unless you have everything in your house in the correct order. You have a plan to make sure that everything is safe. So you can go online and get all kinds of lists. And um, I have a few things here today. One of the things that you should have if you're going to be um, staying in your home is at least one gallon of water per day per person for about three to seven days. Um, definitely need food, um, non-perishable food, a manual can opener. How many of you still use manual can openers? A couple of us out here. Awesome. So this one for me has hit me hard a little bit as I've gotten a little older. Make sure I have all my prescription medications, right? Want to make sure we don't run out of those, right? We got to do that. Here's one that's really a holdover from last year. How about toilet paper? Want to make sure you got enough toilet paper in the hurricane, right? If you're a, a family with children, here's one that you might think of. Quiet games, toys or reading material, something to keep the kids occupied during the time, especially if the electricity is down. And this is one for um, especially Brenda and I over the last couple years, our pet care items, right, Miss Maggie? We take care of our fur babies. We want to make sure that our pets are well taken care of. And here's a big one, a generator. And may I add, a generator that you have started on a regular basis. Don't wait till a year later to crank that thing up and it won't start, right? You got to keep the gas and the oil and the fuel stabilizer in there to ensure that it fires up when you need it. Also, if you don't have your prep kit or your go bag in order, the aftermath of the storm, um, those next few days can be quite hectic and miserable while you wait for the electricity to come back on. And so your house can have order and calm once again. But see, unfortunately, some of us make life choices that causes ourselves and our families to live in a constant state of chaos, moving from one hurricane storm to the next. And just like the people who are unprepared going through a physical hurricane, they didn't fix an order for their house. They didn't have a plan and their safety is in danger. And they're just, it's like the same thing with us. Our lives are constantly in danger spiritually because our homes and our lives are out of order. And we have not followed the biblical plan that God has set up for us. Today we're going to continue with Summer in the Psalms. I've really loved this series. It's really been good. And um, what I've liked about it, especially Pastor Andrea taught us this last week, is reading the Psalms through a fresh eyes, reading them all over again. 
Um, I've read through the Psalms a few times, and it's actually one of my favorite books of the Bible to read. But reading it with fresh eyes, not saying, well, I've read that one, you know, Psalm 23, I've read that, you know, a whole bunch of times. But I'm going to read it again with fresh eyes. So today we're going to look at Psalm 127. So if you'd like to get out your Bible and turn to Psalms 127 and, um, or your smartphone, whatever you're using today. And then we're also going to continue on to Psalm 128 on First Wednesday. So please come back on First Wednesday because we're going to explore how these two Psalms, 127 and 128, go hand in hand with us. See, Psalm 127 give us, gives us the direction for our homes and our relationships, and Psalm 128 reveals the rewards if we take heed and follow this biblical path as we build relationships and families. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 127. It's a short psalm. I'm going to read it for us, and today I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Now, this is a psalm that, um, again, we don't know exactly who wrote every single psalm. Some theologians think Solomon wrote this. Some theologians think that David, due to the text, and there's a couple Hebrew words in there that I really don't understand, but due to the text, they really feel that David wrote this for Solomon. I lean that way just because of David, some of David's other writings for his son Solomon. So it goes like this. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the gates. As we look at this psalm, we're going to see what God wants to say to us about our homes, and we're going to introduce some next steps here at the Father's house to partner with you and lead you on the path from direction to blessing. Next steps here at the Father's house are very, very important. One of the things that drew me to this church some eight, ten years ago was the fact that Pastor Terry always leaves us with a next step. I've been in some great churches growing up, served in some great churches, preachers that would just fire you up, give you a message so enthusiastic, it would send you out feeling really, really good. But then the next day, sometimes it was like, that was really good, but how do I put that into effect? What can I take from what the pastor said to me to help me along my path? So one of the things I think Pastor Terry is just the master of is next steps, and he has taught us, and you'll usually see that anyone who's in this platform here is going to leave you with a next step. So we'll definitely look at that today, and I'm very excited to release a couple of these today. So if you're taking notes, get ready. Today's teaching only has one point. So okay, yeah, that, Pastor Terry always usually looks at me when, I, when, when he says that. We kind of laugh about that a little bit. One point, and I want you to catch this. This is real important. Serve God at home like you serve him at church. That sink in just for a minute. Serve God at home, and I can add in the community, like you do at church. You may say, well, Tim, what do you mean by that? Well, let's look at our memory verse today to see what the word of God means by that. And so our memory verse today comes from Psalm 127, 1a, just the first part of Psalm 127. And let's read this together. Let's read it out loud so our ears hear our voice saying this. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. 
And that's what we're going to concentrate on today, the Lord building our house. Most of us today, when we come to church, we adhere to the biblical truths and the order of the house, right? We come and we say, okay, we, we know the general order of the house, and we adhere to that. You don't come here and tell Pastor Andrea what songs to sing. You don't get up in the middle of the song service and say, no, Pastor Andrea, let's sing that song we sang last week. I like that one a little bit better. No, we don't do that. We follow the order. We don't get up in the middle of the teaching and say, Pastor Terry, well, I know what you're teaching is from the Word of God, but God didn't really mean that for me. So can you preach something else today? We don't do those kind of things, but we do this. We go home and we waste the work of the builders by not allowing God and his truths to be the foundation on how we live and interact in our relationship. We take the words that we were given. We may even walk out in the lobby and tell the pastor, man, it was great teaching. We talk about it on the way home. But then when we get home, we don't follow the plan or the next steps to enact the word of God in our life to see that positive change that God wants to enact in us. To kind of highlight this point, I'd like to show you, share with you today some statistics. I'm going to begin with some statistics surrounding Christians and sex. And I want to let you know that some of the statistics um, are, are purely secular statistics, and we'll get to those in a minute. But according to a poll conducted in 2019 and published last year by Pew Research Center, Christians are less likely than the religiously unaffiliated, or we could say non-Christians, to say casual sex is acceptable. Yeah, right? You agree with that, right? I mean, I'm thinking, yeah, as well we should, right, when I read that. Until I looked at the percentages. It's a little heartbroken. This research study found that 57% of Christians say that sex between unmarried adults in a committed relationship is sometimes or always acceptable. 10% said it was rarely acceptable, and only 32% said it was never acceptable. We look at the statistics for, as they put it, religiously un unaffiliated, and it was 79% said it was okay, 7% said sometimes, and only 14% said it's not okay to have sex if you're not in a committed marital relationship. As I looked at those statistics, I see that the church and the world, instead of being polar opposites 180 degrees, are really coming together on this point. And I thought to myself, when did we as Christians decide that the Word of God in its totality wasn't the correct way for us to live our lives? When did we decide that we know better how to set up a household than God knows better? See, here's the thing that I want you to know, that while professing to be Christ's followers, if we're ignoring the way Christ designed the family, we can't then complain when our lives and our families are hurt by the chaos that infidelity and living in an unbiblical home brings. If we're not following God's plan, we can't complain about the results when we're following our own plan. I want you to catch this this morning. God and his ways always have your best interest at heart. Always, always, always. His plans are always the best plans. We tell the children, God's plan is perfect. And if we want to teach that to our young ones, we need to live that when we are older also. Jeremiah 29, 29 11 from the message puts it like this. And I can just see this. I, I love the, the, the message translation for this because it's almost like God sitting up there saying, dude, guys, girls, 
I know what I'm doing. I'm God. Okay, I got this. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not to abandon you. Plans to give you the future that you hope for, the same hope we sang about. God has this hope for you to have you live your best life as you follow his biblical plan. But you know, you may sit there and say, but Tim, I'm just really tired of being alone. Been alone so long and I'm tired. I just want to be loved. I want somebody to love me. I can handle it. I'll be all right. I'll get it all figured out. And then this is something, this next quote that I want to give you comes directly from the Holy Spirit as he gave me this for this teaching. And God said to tell us today that when we do that, we settle for a version of love that God never planned for us. Let me say that again. When we don't follow his biblical truths, we settle for a version of love that he never ever planned for us. And the settling has long-term consequences, not just for us, but for generations to come. And these are more of the secular um, statistics that I wanted to kind of lead you down today. Cohabitating couples have a separation rate five times that of married couples, and only a reconciliation rate that was one-third of married couples. Cohabitating couples are more likely to experience infidelity compared to those planning to marry. Those cohabitating have an overall poor relationship quality. They tend to have more fighting and violence and less reported happiness. Here's one. This one kind of surprised me. The others didn't surprise me, but this one did. Cohabitating couples earn less money and are less wealthy than their married peers later in life. And this one, unfortunately, I've seen in, in pastoral counseling that compared to married individuals, those cohabitating have higher levels of depression and substance abuse. So we can see that even the world is seeing the, the difference between following what they don't even know is God's plan and following God's plan. But what's interesting is that our media, who throws this in front of our face, look, it's all right to live how you want, right? Just do you. That's the culture, right? I'm going to do me, right? That's the culture that we live in today. Make yourself happy. But even every now and then, our media comes through, and at the core, we see people searching for true love. I want to give you three examples today, and let me apologize to everyone who's young today. My music examples can go no further than the 80s. I'm sorry, that's just when music stopped for me. I don't know much about music past that. A few country songs here and then, but other than that, so we're going to go way back again. And if you don't know these songs, go home, Google them, so you'll have a better idea of what old man Pastor Tim's talking about today. So in 1967... At the center of the free love, make yourself happy culture in Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco, the Jefferson Airplane sang a song called, Don't You Want Someone to Love? Lead singer, anybody know that song? All right, all right, there we go, all right. So lead singer Grace Slick, one of my favorite artists of all times, explained the song, and she said even then, as she was living this same lifestyle, she said this song that, 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 that they sang was counter to the way that people were thinking and living at the time. And this is from Grace Slick herself. This is from her writings. Rather than loving, 
rather than the loving you're whining about getting or the loving you're not getting, a more satisfying state of heart might be the loving you're giving, suggesting that adhering to the old Puritan cliche, it's better to give than to receive, might actually make you a happier person. I think in her core, Grace really knew what she was talking about then, even though, again, she said her lifestyle wasn't, wasn't living that at the time. Ten years later, in, in 1976, um, the group Queen's lead singer and songwriter, Freddie Mercury, whose outward lifestyle was not biblical. And let me say this, I cannot judge Freddie's heart. That is between him and his maker. That was between him and lo- his Lord. But we do know, if you know anything about Freddie Mercury, his outward lifestyle was not biblical. He wrote a song called Somebody to Love. It was rumored to be his favorite song, and per Freddie, it was inspired by Aretha Franklin's gospel music. Freddie Mercury wrote about the song. Somebody to Love tells the tale of a broken and depressed man begging God to get him out of this mindset by finding him somebody to love. Again, one of my favorite artists was saddened when Freddie Mercury died. And I wish that Freddie had seen that the love that he was really searching for was the love that Jesus gave us when he died for his sins. Again, 10 years later, LL Cool J would write a song about how he played games with girls' hearts, leading them on, getting them to fall in love with him, and then just cutting them loose. He says that in his song, laughing about saying, I love you. He said he would leave a wave of broken hearts, but this left him empty himself. He ended with the realization and the song, I Need Love, which, little side is the first rap ballad out there. Great song today. Um, and I would add that the love that LL Cool J needed is the love that God has planned for him, not the love that his lifestyle may have afforded him at the time when he wrote that song. See, nobody decides that I want to be alone forever. Some of you may be in the midst of a, a, of a bad relationship or just come out of a bad relationship, and you might be saying, oh, no, time out, Tim. I, I don't want anything to do with love. I don't want anything like that. But you know down deep in your core, you don't want to spend the rest of your life alone. We are all made to love someone and to have someone love us. See, we do our best to keep evil and destruction out of our home, right? Especially men, right? We're going to fight for our homes. We're not going to let nothing come in and destroy our families. We fight for our relationships. We fight for our children, our finances, our peace of mind, and we fight for our rest. But see, God has already told us, stop spinning your wheels like this. In 2 Chronicles 2.20, he says, the battle is not ours. It is the Lord's. It's time we remember that, church. The battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. But what happens is that when we don't follow God's plan, we get very frustrated about what's going on in our lives. We tend to be able to not keep it all together. We're fighting, we're struggling every day, but we can't keep it all together. Let's go back to the Psalm 127. And this is what God has already told us. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. So you can fight all you want against all the chaos coming against your families, coming against your homes, coming against your lives. But unless the Lord is guarding the cities, all that fighting is in vain. It's useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for the food to eat. God gives rest to his loved ones. Do you want rest today? It's time to rest in him. Rest in the plan that he has set up for our individual lives and our homes and our families.
When it comes to the impact on our children, all families, whether you're married raising kids, living together raising kids, a single parent raising kids, a grandparent raising kids, foster family raising kids, or maybe you're empty nesters and you're still raising kids, right? We all know about that, right? They never totally don't need us, right? But I think in our heart of hearts, we don't, we don't want them to not need us, right? We still want them to be around. So when it comes to that, we need to remember Psalm 127.3. The Bible tells us that children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. And with this reward, our lifestyle choices and whether or not we put God first in our lives dramatically affects our children. Research shows that family intactness has a beneficial influence on reducing out-of-wedlock births. Family intactness increases high school and college graduation rates as well as high employment rates. Being raised in a married family reduces a child's probability of living in poverty by about 82%. And this is from the U.S. Census Bureau. Marriage is one of the greatest weapons today against child poverty. We are to take care and nurture the children that God gives to us to bring them up in the way of the Lord. And he even gives us a warning in Matthew 18, 6. But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. What a strong warning. Now, we also know that, that Jesus, in the verses prior to this, said he compared those searching and, and, and not following him yet as little children coming to him. So we can take that further. And, and the, the larger connotation here is also if we lead anyone into sin. So I want to stop and I want to talk to the guys for a second. If you are not married, but you are having sex you are not only leading yourself into sin, you are responsible for and leading the woman who you love into sin. And one day when you stand in judgment, God's not only going to hold you accountable for, the, for, for your sin, he's going to hold you accountable for leading the little one that he has given you, this woman that, he, that you are with into sin also. So to drive this point home further, let's look at how David refers to children as arrows. Psalm 127.4 tells us this. Children, are bo children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. In the 1600s, Puritan preacher George Swinock said, children are compared, compared to arrows. Now we know that sticks by nature are not arrows. They do not grow into arrows, but are made into, but are made into arrows. Children by nature are knotted and rugged. Anybody agree to that? Knotted and rugged a little bit? Yeah, just a little bit, right? But by art, they are made smooth and handsome. And by education, they are refined and reformed. Check this out. Made pliable to the divine will. So we as parents bring them into that divine will. Charles Spurgeon put it like this. Our children are what we make them. They are represented as arrows in the hands of a mighty man. I love this and arrows go the way we aim them. Our children are going the way we aim them. Are, they, are we aiming them on the right path, or are we aiming them on the wrong path? Now, this doesn't mean that if we teach our children to put God first, that they'll never experience any problems. They too, like us, have free will, 
and they have the ability to make a choice to submit their life to Christ and follow his ways. But we as parents can stand on the word, dedicate your children to God, point them in the way that they should go. And I chose this version, the Passion Translation for this next line, and the values they have learned from you will be with them for life. You know, that we're used to train up a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they will not depart. This hit me so hard. The values they've learned from you. What are the values you're teaching them? Are you saying one thing? Are you asking your kids, are you hearing the words that are coming out of my mouth? Or are they watching the values that you're living out instead? Which way is that today? See, I've given you some statistics and some biblical reasons to set up a God home. We've looked at what the Word of God has said, but I asked some friends of mine to answer some questions because I wanted to give you some real-life examples, not just my words and not the Bible only, but I wanted to give you some real-life examples, and I'd like to share um, some responses. I asked some of my friends if they would answer a few questions for me. The questions I asked were this. Did you live together prior to getting married? If so, why did you marry instead of just continuing to live together? And once you got married, what changed in your relationship? So the first couple I'd like to introduce you to today by via of our screen is Robinson and Marlena Dorval. They're a, a great young couple that is here at the father's house. And um, Brenda and I were honored to be able to have conducted their wedding ceremony. Um, this year. And so I want to give you their responses. Yes, they did live together prior to being married. And this is the reason they got married. Because we decided that it was time we did things the way God intended. I love this. And not to follow what society sees as normal these days. Marriage was always the goal. What changed in their relationship? Our bond has grown even more spiritually. And the relationship is stronger than ever knowing that is, is stronger than ever knowing that it is pleasing to God and we are expecting our first child. Robinson and Berlina, I honor you guys today. The next couple I'd like to introduce you to is Alan Danielle Cardiello, and um, you've probably heard their testimony if you've been here before. And they also, they've been married for seven years, and they also lived together prior to getting married. And their response was this, we decided to get married because we wanted to be right in the eyes of God. What changed in their relationship? They had a deeper sense of security in our relationship knowing we were living God's way. I don't want to just run through that. I want to stop. A deeper sense of security. There's a sense of permanency that comes when you make not a commitment, but a covenant with someone to spend the rest of your life together and honor and cherish each other. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, um, they did have children prior to being married, and I asked them about that. And um, they said that Danielle had three children coming into the marriage, but now we are expecting twins in January. Alan, Danielle, congratulations. The next couple I'd like to introduce you to is Travis and Tiffany Whitley, and they have been married for about nine years. And if you um, have been around here, you've probably heard um, Travis and Tiffany's testimony. Yes, they lived together before they got married. And I'm like, in, in the email, and it was Tiff who sent me the email, it said seven long years is how the way she put it. So their, their answer to this um, why did they decide to get married? And, and I want you to hear this. They told me a little story. I'm going to relay it to you. So after a St. Patrick's Day food fight involving a nice fresh pan of shepherd's pie, when I first read that line, I thought, well, that's comical. That's funny. 
but it wasn't. It wasn't like a fun food fight. We realized that this isn't good. We had to talk the next day after cleaning up and decided to give church a try. We knew we loved each other, but something was missing. We started going to the Father's house, and Pastor Terry suggested couples counseling. The Holy Spirit guided us, and six short months later, we were engaged, and six months after that, we were married. The Lord worked everything out. This is what they said changed in their relationship. Everything, especially our respect for each other, our love grew deeper. We actually wanted to be around each other and began working on putting the other first. And more importantly, to allow God to begin working on us individually and as one triple braided cord. Travis and Tiffany, again, I honor you guys today. The next couple I'd like to introduce you to, just so you don't think this is just a recent phenomenon of people living together before they got married, is George and Barbara Frost, who have been married for 40 years. And yes, they lived together before they got married. And when I asked them why they decided to get married, again, they weren't serving God at this point in time, but this was their answer. We knew it was wrong, but God had a plan. So even without actively serving God, they knew that there was a better plan for their life, and it included getting married. What changed in your relationship? We received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior exactly one week after our wedding at a spiritual warfare retreat. I submit to you today that had they not gotten married, they would not, may have not went to that spiritual warfare retreat. And who knows if they'd have ever been drawn to give their heart to God. George and Barbara, I honor you guys today. So after these real life examples, I want to get back to the next steps, right? We talked about next steps to setting up a godly home or to strengthening your existing home and making and creating arrows that fly straight and true. The first next step today is really easy. Hey, spend time together with God. Get together. Read Psalm 127 this week and memorize verse 1. I'd like to challenge everybody here that's, that's either dating someone, in a relationship, fiance, living together, married. Three times a week, read the Bible. Pray out loud over each other. Okay, it's the person you're dating, your fiance, the person you're living with, your husband or, or your wife or your children. Men, back to speaking to you. We are the spiritual heads of our household. That is the way God set it up. Sometimes in premarital, I'll just look at the woman and say, I didn't set it up. You got an issue with that? Take it to God. But women, hear me. There is a difference between role and value. Just because the man has the role as the spiritual head of the house does not mean that your value in the house is any less. You are equal in the sight of God and you are equal in the marriage. So I want you to please, please remember that. This is something that I got from my father and it's one of those traditions that, that I'm blessed to have gotten from him. Every day he prayed over my mom and he prayed over us before we left for school. Every single day. Men, let me challenge you to begin praying over your woman, whether you're dating or living with her, married to her. Pray over her. And don't just pray some silent little prayer as you're walking out the door. Pray out loud. Lay your hands on her as the spiritual head of your household and bless her in the name of Jesus. Do the same for your children before they leave the house. And women, we love love when you turn around then and pray over us and speak life into us because we need that also. 
Find something to do together um, that's spiritual. Review your sermon notes. Worship. Put on some worship music and worship the Lord. The second next step is this. Tune up your marriage and your family. Hey, we talked about keeping that generator tuned up, right? Let's tune up our marriage and our families. One way to do this is to participate in regularly shared activities. Take a class together, learn a new skill, develop a fun hobby, clean the house together. Again, Tiffany um, and Travis, um, one of the things that we do here at the Father's House is that if we're providing premarital counseling, we ask, demand, we don't live with you, but we ask strongly that during the premarital counseling before your marriage that you remain sexually celibate in honor to God and in honor of your future commitment. So you can see that Travis and Tiffany were engaged for six months. And Tiffany from up this platform has said it was the cleanest her house has ever been in her life. She just clean, clean, clean that. We're adults. I'll let your mind go where that one wants to take you there. So do something together. Work in the yard together. Repurpose a room. Um, do something like that. Date nights, family activity days that are equally planned and enthusiastically participated in. All of you know, my wife loves to garden. She loves to dig in the dirt. Be honest, me, not so much. All right, I grew up doing yard work at all the churches my dad was ever in. And every time I'm pulling weeds, I hear my mom over my shoulder telling me I'm doing it wrong because I'm not getting them out by the roots. I'm just breaking them off and they're going to grow back. But I love doing things with my wife. And so I love digging in the dirt with her. It's time together. By myself, not so much. With her, it's fantastic. So I, I'm tr I try to be enthusiastic about it. She does the same for me. We have some activities that I'll get up and say, hey, let's do this today. And she will enthusiastically do it, even if it's not her favorite thing to do. Recreate romance. Again, I'm going to challenge guys to take the lead in this because we need to step up our romance game, guys. Recreate romance, and if married, physical intimacy. Well, the last thing that you can do under this category is call me to schedule a proactive marriage and family tune-up session. I have so many things that I'd like to share with you. I'm really excited about this next step, and this is to attend the TFH Marriage Conference. We are having our, our next marriage conference Friday, November 12th and Saturday, November 13th. Pastors Kevin and Melissa Goff are going to be here. And if you've ever heard their testimony, it is fantastic. It is one of reconciliation that can only happen from the transformational power of the Holy Spirit. It's only $60 per couple. Let's be realistic. We spend more than that going out on any evening we go out. It includes dinner. And a portion of the dinner, we're going to get eyeball to eyeball with our spouse and help make that little portion together. It's going to be great. It's going to be a grab-and-go breakfast. All your conference materials, we're going to have a gift for you. And yes, if you have children, free child care because we want you to attend. You're going to have to register for that. And to register right now for the... Um, Marriage conference, you can get out your phone. I'm allowing you to go ahead and pull out your phone and text MPDN to 352-329-2301. Let's do it quick. You don't want it to fill up and you miss your chance. But you say, hey, Tim, man, we'd love to attend, but we're not married. So what's for us? I am so excited to release this next step. It's something I've been working on for, uh, I don't know, six, eight, nine months. I'm so excited. And it's getting married at TFH. We are releasing a new How to Get Married at TFH. And what I would like for you to do is join the Prep for Marriage study. So if you're single, 
and dating, if you're currently living together, and marriage has even ever just breezed through your mind or you've talked about it. I need your help. See, I think this is a great program, but I don't know. I need to try it out. I need a test pilot group. I need you guys' help with this today. I want you to be part of this new pilot group, Getting Married at the Father's House. Okay, Prep for Marriage is a fun, interactive six-week study that focuses on what the Bible says about having a healthy marriage. We're going to cover topics like communication, conflict, finances, spirituality, in-laws, and even sex. The class is free, but there'll be a $40 cost for the handbooks and the online marriage assessment. It's going to be great. We're all going to come together. And if you're even interested in this already, pull out your connection card and put prep for marriage on the back. I have a few people in mind I'm going to be calling, but please, if you're even interested in this at all, prep for marriage on the back of your connection card. So I titled this teaching, The House of the Risen Son, and his name is Jesus Christ. Well, I've been teaching this today. Some of you are saying, you know, brother, this is some really, really good information, but I'm not even sure I know who this Jesus Christ is. Or maybe you're saying, I know who he is, but he's really not the Lord of my life. I've kind of let things slip in my life. I've kind of settled in some areas. You know, real, real easy. It's easy to begin settling in one or two areas of your life, and then it kind of just goes. Some of you today, single, living together, married, you know that you are living in and sharing and raising a family that is not being led by the risen son, Jesus Christ. It could be that the home that you grew up in, you weren't led like that. Or it could be maybe that the home, you know, you were was, but now you're continuing down a path that you know isn't a biblical path. Or maybe you used to follow Jesus. You lived in a home led by someone that gave you godly standards but somehow over time you let those godly standards slip and you begin to settle for less than God intended for you today I have good news I have the hope of the world I want to share with you you can choose to break the cycle and change yours and your children's if you have them eternities by one of three ways so the first one is this and I know normally we're going to say bow your heads and close your eyes but today we're going to do this a little different the first way that you can change your children's lives and your life for eternity is to say, Tim, I need to submit my will and my way to God today. I need to come under the submission of what the Bible says. I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. Maybe you've done this before and you say, man, I've just kind of let things go a little bit. And if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand right now. Raise it. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. I see that hand. I see another hand in the back. I thank you. Thank you so much. This is the start to everything. See, you can come to the marriage conference. If you're not married, you can come to prep for marriage and then the marriage conference. We can come to all these things. I can give you all the tips and tools, but if you're not following Jesus, it's going to be to no avail. So today we're going to pray. And we're all going to say this prayer together because no one should ever have to pray this prayer alone. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us biblical standards on how to raise our homes. As today, I want to submit my will to you. I want to turn my life over to you. I want to get out of the chaos of the hurricane and live in your peace. As best as I can, I want to serve you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Church, let's celebrate today for those people that have come home. Now, the second way that eternities can be changed is to commit as an unmarried couple to live by God's standards, not by the world's standards and your own desires. And if you will commit to meet with me, I'm not saying you got to go through the whole prep for marriage. I'm not saying, I'm gonna, oh, you, hey, you said you do this. You raise your hand. No, it's nothing like that. Just commit to meet with me. Just hear my heart. That's all I'm asking. Give me 30 minutes. Hear my heart. If you'll just commit to that today, Tim, I'd be willing to meet with you just to hear what you got to say. I want you to raise your hand today. I thank you for some hands going up over here. Just to commit, I thank you for that. If you're online watching, I want you to just write prep for marriage down. If you'll commit to meet with me and I will get a hold of you and set that appointment. I'll set it at your convenience. If you're working, we'll do it in the evening. I'll work around your schedule. Normally I have a schedule for pastoral counseling, but I want this is so important. I'll work around your schedules today. And, and right now, what I'd like to do is, church, I would like for us to pray for these couples that have raised their hands, ones that are, that are going to say yes when I call them, and people that are online. Heavenly Father, today we say thank you, Lord. We thank you for this, this program that you helped create down at our partners, Christ Fellowship, and they've so graciously shared with us. Lord, as we meet, please show, show everybody your heart for what you have for them. You have the best for them. And Father God, we want to move their families to the best. So Lord, as we commit to meet and go, you know, maybe even move forward into prep for marriage, Father, I thank you. And in advance, I just pray, pray blessings for generations to come for couples that will commit today, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. So the third way we're going to change um, everything, eternities forever, is to admit as married couples. And your marriage could be really, really great. But to admit as a married couple that you need to be purposeful in spending more time together, praying together, attending our conference, reading books, using tools to have a more godly and happy marriage. And if right now that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I'm raising my hand because I always want a better marriage. I always want to have a better marriage. If you're willing to commit to that today to say, I'm going to be purposeful in having a better marriage, raise your hand and we're going to pray over, over your marriage today also. So Heavenly Father, right now, I just say thank you for marriages in the house. We commit as husbands, we commit as wives to be purposeful in spending time together with you. We commit as husbands and wives to spend more time together in activities. We commit to the marriage conference, to tools, to resources, to make our homes better, to pass on this legacy to our children. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.